Book three, chapter thirty six of the Bostonians. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Bostonians by Henry James. Chapter thirty six. A certain prudence had determined him to put off his visit till the morning. He thought it more probable that at that time he should be able to see Verena alone whereas in the evening the two young women would be sure to be sitting together. When the morrow dawned, however, Basil Ransom felt none of the trepidation of the procrastinator. He knew nothing of the reception that awaited him, but he took his way to the cottage designated to him overnight by Dr. Prance, with the step of a man much more conscious of his own purpose than of possible obstacles. He made the reflection as he went that to see a place for the first time at night is like reading a foreign author in a translation. At the present hour, it was getting towards eleven o'clock, he felt that he was dealing with the original. The little straggling loosely clustered town lay along the edge of a blue inlet, on the other side of which was a low wooded shore with a gleam of white sand where it touched the water. The narrow bay carried the vision outward to a picture that seemed at once bright and dim, a shining, slumbering summer sea, and a far-off circling line of coast, which, under the August sun, was hazy and delicate. Ransom regarded the place as a town, because Dr. Prance had called it one, but it was a town where you smelt the breath of the hay in the streets, and you might gather blackberries in the principal square. The houses looked at each other across the grass, low, rusty, crooked, distended houses, with dry, cracked faces and the dim eyes of small-paned, stiffly sliding windows. Their little dooryards bristled with rank, old-fashioned flowers, mostly yellow, and on the quarter that stood back from the sea the fields sloped upward, and the woods in which they presently lost themselves looked down over the roofs. Bolts and bars were not a part of the domestic machinery of Marmion, and the responsive menial receiving the visitor on the threshold was a creature rather desired than definitely possessed, so that Basil Ransom found Miss Chancellor's house-door gaping wide, as he had seen it the night before, and destitute even of a knocker or a bell-handle. From where he stood in the porch he could see the whole of the little sitting-room on the left of the hall see that it stretched straight through to the back windows, that it was garnished with photographs of foreign works of art pinned upon the walls, and enriched with a piano and other little extemporized embellishments, such as ingenious women lavish upon the houses they hire for a few weeks. Verena told him afterwards that Olive had taken her cottage furnished, but that the paucity of chairs and tables and bedsteads was such that their little party used almost to sit down, to lie down, in turn. On the other hand, they had all George Eliot's writings and two photographs of the Sistine Madonna. Ransom rapped with his stick on the lintel of the door, but no one came to receive him, so he made his way into the parlour where he observed that his cousin Olive had as many German books as ever lying about. He dipped into this literature momentarily, according to his wont, and then remembered that this was not what he had come for, and that as he waited at the door he had seen, through another door opening at the opposite end of the hall, signs of a small veranda attached to the other face of the house. 
thinking the ladies might be assembled there in the shade he pushed aside the muslin curtain of the back window and saw that the advantages of miss chancellor's summer residence were in this quarter there was a veranda in fact to which a wide horizontal trellis covered with an ancient vine formed a kind of extension beyond the trellis was a small lonely garden beyond the garden was a large vague woody space where a few piles of old timber were disposed and which he afterwards learned to be a relic of the shipbuilding era described to him by dr prance and still beyond this again was the charming lake-like estuary he had already admired his eyes did not rest upon the distance they were attracted by a figure seated under the trellis where the checkers of sun in the interstices of the vine leaves fell upon a bright-coloured rug spread out on the ground the floor of the roughly constructed veranda was so low that there was virtually no difference in the level it took ransom only a moment to recognize miss birdseye though her back was turned to the house she was alone she sat there motionless she had a newspaper in her lap but her attitude was not that of a reader looking at the shimmering bay she might be asleep that was why ransom moderated the process of his long legs as he came round the house to join her this precaution represented his only scruple he stepped across the veranda and stood close to her but she did not appear to notice him visibly she was dozing or presumably rather for her head was enveloped in an old faded straw hat which concealed the upper part of her face there were two or three other chairs near her and a table on which were half a dozen books and periodicals together with a glass containing a colourless liquid on the top of which a spoon was laid ransom desired only to respect her repose so he sat down in one of the chairs and waited till she should become aware of his presence he thought miss chancellor's back garden a delightful spot and his jaded senses tasted the breeze the idle wandering summer wind that stirred the vine-leaves over his head the hazy shores on the other side of the water which had tints more delicate than the street vistas of new york they seemed powdered with silver a sort of midsummer light suggested to him a land of dreams a country in a picture basil ransom had seen very few pictures there were none in mississippi but he had a vision at times of something that would be more refined than the real world and the situation in which he now found himself pleased him almost as much as if it had been a striking work of art he was unable to see as i have said whether miss birdseye were taking in the prospect through open or only imagination aiding she had plenty of that through closed tired dazzled eyes she appeared to him as the minutes elapsed and he sat beside her the incarnation of well-earned rest of patient submissive superannuation at the end of her long day's work she might have been placed there to enjoy this dim prevision of the peaceful river the gleaming shores of the paradise her unselfish life had certainly qualified her to enter and which apparently would so soon be opened to her after a while she said placidly without turning i suppose it's about time i should take my remedy again it does seem as if she had found the right thing don't you think so 
Do you mean the contents of that tumbler? I shall be delighted to give it to you, and you must tell me how much you take. And Basil Ransom, getting up, possessed himself of the glass on the table. At the sound of his voice, Miss Birdseye pushed back her straw hat by a movement that was familiar to her, and, twisting about her muffled figure a little, even in August she felt the cold and had to be much covered up to sit out, directed at him a speculative, unastonished gaze. "'One spoonful? Two? Ransom asked, stirring the dose and smiling. "'Well, I guess I'll take two this time.' certainly dr prance couldn't help finding the right thing ransom said as he administered the medicine while the movement with which she extended her face to take it made her seem doubly childlike he put down the glass and she relapsed into her position she seemed to be considering it's homeopathic she remarked in a moment oh i have no doubt of that i presume you wouldn't take anything else well it's generally admitted now to be the true system Ransom moved closer to her, placed himself where she could see him better. "'It's a great thing to have the true system,' he said, bending towards her in a friendly way. "'I'm sure you have it in everything.' He was not often hypocritical, but when he was he went all lengths. "'Well, I don't know that anyone has a right to say that. I thought you were Verena,' she added in a moment, taking him in again with her mild, deliberate vision." I have been waiting for you to recognize me. Of course you didn't know I was here. I only arrived last night. Well, I'm glad you have come to see Olive now. You remember that I wouldn't do that when I met you last? You asked me not to mention to her that I had met you. That's what I principally recall. And don't you remember what I told you I wanted to do? I wanted to go out to Cambridge and see Miss Tarrant. Thanks to the information that you were so good as to give me, I was able to do so. Yes, she gave me quite a little description of your visit, said Miss Birdseye with a smile and a vague sound in her throat, a sort of pensive private reference to the idea of laughter, of which Ransom never learned the exact significance, though he retained for a long time afterwards a kindly memory of the old lady's manner at the moment. I don't know how much she enjoyed it, but it was an immense pleasure to me, so great a one that, as you see, I have come to call upon her again. Then I presume she has shaken you. She has shaken me tremendously, said Ransom, laughing. Well, you'll be a great addition, Miss Birds, I returned, and this time your visit is also for Miss Chancellor? That depends on whether she will receive me. "'Well, if she knows you are shaken, that will go a great way,' said Miss Birdseye a little musingly, as if even to her unsophisticated mind it had been manifested that one's relations with Miss Chancellor might be ticklish. "'But she can't receive you now, can she, because she's out. She has gone to the post-office for the Boston letters, and they get so many every day that she had to take Verena with her to help her carry them home.' One of them wanted to stay with me, because Dr. Prance has gone fishing, but I said I presumed I could be left alone for about seven minutes. I know how they love to be together. It seems as if one couldn't go out without the other. That's what they came down here for, because it's quiet, and it didn't look as if there was anyone else they would be much drawn to. So it would be a pity for me to come down after them just to spoil it. I am afraid I shall spoil it, Miss Birdseye. 
oh well a gentleman murmured the ancient woman yes what can you expect of a gentleman i certainly shall spoil it if i can you had better go fishing with dr prance said miss birdseye with a serenity which showed that she was far from measuring the sinister quality of the announcement he had just made i shan't object to that at all the days here must be very long very full of hours have you got the doctor with you Bransom inquired as if he knew nothing at all about her yes miss chancellor invited us both she is very thoughtful she is not merely a theoretic philanthropist she goes into details said miss birdseye presenting her large person in her chair as if she herself were only an item it seems as if we were not so much wanted in boston just in august and here you sit and enjoy the breeze and admire the view the young man remarked wondering when the two messengers whose seven minutes must long since have expired would return from the post-office yes i enjoy everything in this little old-world place i didn't suppose i should be satisfied to be so passive it's a great contrast to my former exertions but somehow it doesn't seem as if there were any trouble or any wrong round here and if there should be there are miss chancellor and miss tarrant to look after it they seem to think i had better fold my hands besides when helpful generous minds begin to flock in from your part of the country miss birdseye continued looking at him from under the distorted and discoloured canopy of her hat with a benignity which completed the idea in any cheerful sense he chose he felt by this time that he was committed to rather a dishonest part he was pledged not to give a shock to her optimism this might cost him in the coming days a good deal of dissimulation but he was now saved from any further expenditure of ingenuity by certain warning sounds which admonished him that he must keep his wits about him for a purpose more urgent there were voices in the hall of the house voices he knew which came nearer quickly so that before he had time to rise one of the speakers had come out with the exclamation dear miss birdseye here are seven letters for you the words fell to the ground indeed before they were fairly spoken and when ransom got up turning he saw olive chancellor standing there with the parcel from the post-office in her hand she stared at him in sudden horror for the moment her self-possession completely deserted her there was so little of any greeting in her face save the greeting of dismay that he felt there was nothing for him to say to her nothing that could mitigate the odious fact of his being there he could only let her take it in let her divine that this time he was not to be got rid of in an instant to ease off the situation he held out his hand for miss birdseye's letters and it was a proof of olive's having turned rather faint and weak that she gave them up to him he delivered the packet to the old lady and now verena had appeared in the doorway of the house as soon as she saw him she blushed crimson but she did not like olive stand voiceless why mr ransom she cried out where in the world were you washed ashore miss birdseye meanwhile taking her letters had no appearance of observing that the encounter between olive and her visitor was a kind of concussion it was verena who eased off the situation her gay challenge rose to her lips as promptly as if she had had no cause for embarrassment she was not confused even when she blushed 
and her alertness may perhaps be explained by the habit of public speaking ransom smiled at her while she came forward but he spoke first to olive who had already turned her eyes away from him and gazed at the blue sea-view as if she were wondering what was going to happen to her at last of course you are very much surprised to see me but i hope to be able to induce you to regard me not absolutely in the light of an intruder i found your door open and i walked in and miss birdseye seemed to think i might stay miss birdseye i put myself under your protection i invoke you i appeal to you the young man went on adopt me answer for me cover me with the mantle of your charity miss birdseye looked up from her letters as if at first she had only faintly heard his appeal she turned her eyes from olive to verena then she said doesn't it seem as if we had room for all when i remember what i have seen in the south mr ransom's being here strikes me as a great triumph olive evidently failed to understand and verena broke in with eagerness it was by my letter of course that you knew we were here the one i wrote just before we came olive she went on don't you remember i showed it to you at the mention of this act of submission on her friend's part olive started flashing her a strange look then she said to basil that she didn't see why he should explain so much about his coming every one had a right to come it was a very charming place it ought to do any one good but it will have one defect for you she added three-quarters of the summer residents are women this attempted pleasantry on miss chancellor's part so unexpected so incongruous uttered with white lips and cold eyes struck ransom to that degree by its oddity that he could not resist exchanging a glance of wonder with verena who if she had had the opportunity could probably have explained to him the phenomenon olive had recovered herself reminded herself that she was safe that her companion in new york had repudiated denounced her pursuer and as a proof to her own sense of her security as well as a touching mark to verena that now after what had passed she had no fear she felt that a certain light mockery would be effective ah miss olive don't pretend to think i love your sex so little when you know that what you really object to in me is that i love it too much ransom was not brazen he was not impudent he was really a very modest man but he was aware that whatever he said or did he was condemned to seem impudent now and he argued within himself that if he was to have the dishonour of being thought brazen he might as well have the comfort he didn't care a straw in truth how he was judged or how he might offend he had a purpose which swallowed up such inanities as that and he was so full of it that it kept him firm balanced him gave him an assurance that might easily have been confounded with a cold detachment this place will do me good he pursued i haven't had a holiday for more than two years i couldn't have gone another day i was finished i would have written to you beforehand that i was coming but i only started at a few hours notice it occurred to me that this would be just what i wanted i remembered what miss tarrant had said in her note that it was a place where people could lie on the ground and wear their old clothes i delight to lie on the ground and all my clothes are old i hope to be able to stay three or four weeks olive listened till he had done speaking she stood a single moment longer and then without a word a glance 
she rushed into the house ransom saw that miss birdseye was immersed in her letters so he went straight to verena and stood before her looking far into her eyes he was not smiling now as he had been in speaking to olive will you come somewhere apart where i can speak to you alone why have you done this it was not right in you to come verena looked still as if she were blushing but ransom perceived he must allow for her having been delicately scorched by the sun i have come because it is necessary because i have something very important to say to you a great number of things the same things you said in new york i don't want to hear them again they were horrible no not the same different ones i want you to come out with me away from here you always want me to come out we can't go out here we are out as much as we can be verena laughed she tried to turn it off feeling that something really impended come down into the garden and out beyond there to the water where we can speak it's what i have come for it was not for what i told miss olive he had lowered his voice as if miss olive might still hear them and there was something strangely grave altogether solemn indeed in its tone verena looked around her at the splendid summer day at the much swathed formless figure of miss birdseye holding her letter inside her hat mr ransom she articulated then simply and as her eyes met his again they showed him a couple of tears it's not to make you suffer i honestly believe i don't want to say anything that will hurt you how can i possibly hurt you when i feel to you as i do he went on with suppressed force she said no more but all her face entreated him to let her off to spare her and as this look deepened a quick sense of elation and success began to throb in his heart for it told him exactly what he wanted to know it told him that she was afraid of him that she had ceased to trust herself that the way he had read her nature was the right way she was tremendously open to attack she was meant for love she was meant for him and that his arriving at the point at which he wished to arrive was only a question of time this happy consciousness made him extraordinarily tender to her he couldn't put enough reassurance into his smile his low murmur as he said only give me ten minutes don't receive me by turning me away it's my holiday my poor little holiday don't spoil it three minutes later miss birdseye looking up from her letter saw them move together through the bristling garden and traverse a gap in the old fence which enclosed the further side of it they passed into the ancient shipyard which lay beyond and which was now a mere vague grass-grown approach to the waterside bestrewn with a few remnants of supererogatory timber she saw them stroll forward to the edge of the bay and stand there taking the soft breeze in their faces she watched them a little and it warmed her heart to see the stiff-necked young southerner led captive by a daughter of new england trained in the right school who would impose her opinions in their integrity considering how prejudiced he must have been he was certainly behaving very well even at that distance miss birdseye dimly made out that there was something positively humble in the way he invited verena tarrant to seat herself on a low pile of weather-blackened planks which constituted the principal furniture of the place 
and something perhaps just a trifle too expressive of righteous triumph in the manner in which the girl put the suggestion by and stood where she liked a little proudly turning a good deal away from him miss birdseye could see as much as this but she couldn't hear so that she didn't know what it was that made verena turn suddenly back to him at something he said if she had known perhaps his observation would have struck her as less singular under the circumstances in which these two young persons met than it may appear to the reader they have accepted one of my articles i think it's the best these were the first words that passed basil ransom's lips after the pair had withdrawn as far as it was possible to withdraw in that direction from the house oh is it printed when does it appear Verena asked that question instantly. It sprang from her lips in a manner that completely belied the air of keeping herself at a distance from him, which she had worn a few moments before. He didn't tell her again this time, as he had told her when, on the occasion of their walk together in New York, she expressed an inconsequent hope that his fortune as a rejected contributor would take a turn. He didn't remark to her once more that she was a delightful being he only went on as if her revulsion were a matter of course to explain everything he could so that she might as soon as possible know him better and see how completely she could trust him that was at bottom the reason i came here the essay in question is the most important thing i have done in the way of a literary attempt and i determined to give up the game or to persist according as i should be able to bring it to the light or not the other day i got a letter from the editor of the rational review telling me that he should be very happy to print it that he thought it very remarkable and that he should be glad to hear from me again he shall hear from me again he needn't be afraid it contained a good many of the opinions i have expressed to you and a good many more besides i really believe it will attract some attention at any rate the simple fact that it is to be published makes an era in my life this will seem pitiful to you no doubt who publish yourself have been before the world these several years and are flushed with every kind of triumph but to me it's simply a tremendous affair it makes me believe i may do something it has changed the whole way i look at my future i have been building castles in the air and i have put you in the biggest and fairest of them that's a great change and as i say it's really why i came on Verena lost not a word of this gentle conciliatory explicit statement it was full of surprises for her and as soon as ransom had stopped speaking she inquired why didn't you feel satisfied about your future before her tone made him feel how little she had suspected he could have the weakness of a discouragement how little of a question it must have seemed to her that he would one day triumph on his own erratic line it was the sweetest tribute he had yet received to the idea that he might have ability the letter of the editor of the rational review was nothing to it no i felt very blue it didn't seem to me at all clear that there was a place for me in the world gracious said verena tarrant a quarter of an hour later miss birdseye who had returned to her letters she had a correspondent at framingham who usually wrote fifteen pages became aware that verena who was now alone was re-entering the house 
she stopped her on her way and said she hoped she hadn't pushed mr ransom overboard oh no he has gone off round the other way well i hope he is going to speak for us soon verena hesitated a moment he speaks with the pen he has written a very fine article for the rational review miss birdseye gazed at her young friend complacently the sheets of her interminable letter fluttered in the breeze well it's delightful to see the way it goes on isn't it verena scarcely knew what to say then remembering that dr prance had told her that they might lose their dear old companion any day and confronting it with something basil ransom had just said that the rational review was a quarterly and the editor had notified him that his article would appear only in the number after the next she reflected that perhaps miss birdseye wouldn't be there so many months later to see how it was her supposed consort had spoken she might therefore be left to believe what she liked to believe without fear of a day of reckoning verena committed herself to nothing more confirmatory than a kiss however which the old lady's displaced headgear enabled her to imprint upon her forehead and which caused miss birdseye to exclaim why verena tarrant how cold your lips are it was not surprising to verena to hear that her lips were cold a mortal chill had crept over her for she knew that this time she should have a tremendous scene with olive she found her in her room to which she had fled on quitting mr ransom's presence she sat in the window having evidently sunk into a chair the moment she came in a position from which she must have seen verena walk through the garden and down to the water with the intruder she remained as she had collapsed quite prostrate her attitude was the same as that other time verena had found her waiting in new york what olive was likely to say to her first the girl scarcely knew her mind at any rate was full of an intention of her own she went straight to her and fell on her knees before her taking hold of the hands which were clasped together with nervous intensity in miss chancellor's lap verena remained a moment looking up at her and then said there is something i want to tell you now without a moment's delay something i didn't tell you at the time it happened nor afterwards mr ransom came out to see me once at cambridge a little while before we went to new york he spent a couple of hours with me we took a walk together and saw the colleges it was after that that he wrote to me when i answered his letter as i told you in new york i didn't tell you then of his visit we had a great deal of talk about him and i kept that back i did so on purpose i can't explain why except that i didn't like to tell you and that i thought it better but now i want you to know everything when you know that you will know everything it was only one visit about two hours i enjoyed it very much he seemed so much interested one reason i didn't tell you was that i didn't want you to know that he had come on to boston and called on me in cambridge without going to see you i thought it might affect you disagreeably i suppose you will think i deceived you certainly i left you with a wrong impression but now i want you to know all all verena spoke with breathless haste and eagerness there was a kind of passion in the way she tried to expiate her former want of candour olive listened staring at first she seemed scarcely to understand but verena perceived that she understood sufficiently when she broke out you deceived me 
you deceived me well i must say i like your deceit better than such dreadful revelations and what does anything matter when he has come after you now what does he want what has he come for he has come to ask me to be his wife verena said this with the same eagerness with as determined an air of not incurring any reproach this time but as soon as she had spoken she buried her head in olive's lap olive made no attempt to raise it again and returned none of the pressure of her hands she only sat silent for a time during which verena wondered that the idea of the episode at cambridge laid bare only after so many months should not have struck her more deeply presently she saw it was because the horror of what had just happened drew her off from it at last olive asked is that what he told you off there by the water yes and verena looked up he wanted me to know it right away he says it's only fair to you that he should give notice of his intentions he wants to try and make me like him so he says he wants to see more of me and he wants me to know him better olive lay back in her chair with dilated eyes and parted lips verena tarrant what is there between you what can i hold on to what can i believe two hours in cambridge before we went to new york the sense that verena had been perfidious there perfidious in her reticence now began to roll over her mercy of heaven how you did act olive it was to spare you to spare me if you really wished to spare me he wouldn't be here now miss chancellor flashed this out with a sudden violence a spasm which threw verena off and made her rise to her feet for an instant the two young women stood confronted and a person who had seen them at that moment might have taken them for enemies rather than friends but any such opposition could last but a few seconds verena replied with a tremor in her voice which was not that of passion but of charity do you mean that i expected him that i brought him i never in my life was more surprised at anything than when i saw him there hasn't he the delicacy of one of his own slave-drivers doesn't he know you loathe him verena looked at her friend with a degree of majesty which with her was rare i don't loathe him i only dislike his opinions dislike oh misery and olive turned away to the open window leaning her forehead against the lifted sash verena hesitated then went to her passing her arm round her don't scold me help me help me she murmured olive gave her a sidelong look then catching her up and facing her again will you come away now by the next train flee from him again as i did in new york no no olive chancellor that's not the way verena went on reasoningly as if all the wisdom of the ages were seated on her lips then how can we leave miss birdseye in her state we must stay here we must fight it out here why not be honest if you have been false really honest not only half so why not tell him plainly that you love him love him olive why i scarcely know him you'll have a chance if he stays a month i don't dislike him certainly as you do but how can i love him when he tells me he wants me to give up everything all our work our faith our future 
never to give another address to open my lips in public how can i consent to that verena went on smiling strangely he asks you that just that way no it's not that way it's very kindly kindly heaven help you don't grovel doesn't he know it's my house olive added in a moment of course he won't come into it if you forbid him so that you may meet him in other places on the shore in the country i certainly shan't avoid him hide away from him said verena proudly i thought i made you believe in new york that i really cared for our aspirations the way for me then is to meet him feeling conscious of my strength what if i do like him what does it matter i like my work in the world i like everything i believe in better olive listened to this and the memory of how in the house in tenth street verena had rebuked her doubts professed her own faith anew came back to her with a force which made the present situation appear slightly less terrific nevertheless she gave no assent to the girl's logic she only replied but you didn't meet him there you hurried away from new york after i was willing you should stay he affected you very much there you were not so calm when you came back to me from your expedition to the park as you pretend to be now to get away from him you gave up all the rest i know i wasn't so calm but now i have had three months to think about it about the way he affected me there i take it very quietly no you don't you are not calm now verena was silent a moment while olive's eyes continued to search her accuse her condemn her it's all the more reason you shouldn't give me stab after stab she replied with a gentleness which was infinitely touching it had an instant effect upon olive she burst into tears threw herself on her friend's bosom oh don't desert me don't desert me or you'll kill me in torture she moaned shuddering you must help me you must help me cried verena imploringly too end of book three chapter thirty six